0: I needed to find a way to parent from a place of strength instead of a place of fear. And so it helped me to use these skills to prepare my kids for the world. And in turn, that was allowing me to be more hands-off because I felt like we were giving them the skills that they needed to be prepared to, you know, think for themselves, you know, think on their feet, improvise, you know, do that critical thinking and listen to their gut.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and welcome to another episode of mom to mom the podcast. I am so glad that you're joining us here today because I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. It's actually a chat that I never really expected to have because today I'm sitting down with a former CIA spy like a real life spy. Christina Hillsberg worked as an intelligence analyst for many years and during that time she actually fell in love with another CIA operative and she realized that he was taking some of the strategies and things that they had learned in the CIA and applying it to his parenting style with his own kids. So when they got together and they had two more children, she realized much to her surprise that she started doing the same thing, and she realized it was really working for her and her family. So I have to tell you, when I first saw the title of this book, License to Parent, and that it was written by two former CIA spies, all I could think about was tiptoeing around like Pink Panther style with a big magnifying glass, spying on my children during their play dates. <laughs> I pictured some kind of surveillance operation. And when I realized speaking to Christina is what she is teaching us is the complete opposite. She wants our kids to have autonomy. She wants our kids to be set up for success. She wants to give them the tools they have to make it in the real world as independent human beings. And I got to tell you, I'm into it. I like this style. So let me introduce you to Christina Hillsberg, author of License to Parent. Christina, how are you? Welcome to mom to mom Hi, Maria. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you because it is not every day that I get to speak with a former CIA spy. So before we get into the book and your tips and your parenting style, Back us up a little bit and talk about life as a CIA spy and how you even get into that line of work. Well, I like to say that
0: it was more of a happy accident than any careful planning on my part. I studied Swahili and linguistics in college, and I was recruited right off of my campus. A CIA recruiter came. I knew I was meeting with... A government agency I didn't know which one until I was in the meeting and I learned that my role as an intelligence analyst would include analyzing you know vast amount of intelligence that comes in from the field through various means maybe from an operations officer maybe from signals intelligence and I was creating analytic assessments for the president and other policymakers. and I worked at headquarters but I also traveled back and forth to Africa and it was just an amazing career that I accidentally
1: fell into and ended up loving Totally off track, but how did you get interested in Swahili?
0: I was really interested in Africa after a high school research project and knew that I loved languages. And my school, Indiana University, has one of the best African language programs. And so the more I studied Africa and studied Swahili in school, and then I studied actually abroad in Tanzania, I fell more and more in love with it. So I felt really lucky that I was able to find a career where I could you know, have that passion and work on it and have it go hand in hand.
1: Very cool. So your book right off the bat caught my eye, you know, written by a former CIA spy, it's got the title of License to Parent, and you suggest that you kind of parent like a spy. So give us the rundown. What is the book all about? And then we will dig in. So Licensed to Parent
0: is part memoir, part parenting guide. And it really tells that story of how I joined the CIA and what I did there and how I met my husband, who was also a CIA officer. And he was on the operations side, which is where I spent the latter part of my career. And we met there. And I saw the way that he was parenting. He already had three kids when we met. And I noticed right off the bat that he gave his kids a longer leash, more autonomy than I was used to seeing parents do in this sort of helicopter, you know, age of parenting that we've been in for a while. And I was really impressed. And I knew these kids seemed really well-rounded. They seemed security conscious. They were making purchases themselves. They were riding motorcycles. They were really cool, independent kids. Ah. And I didn't quite understand what he was doing at first. And then I realized that he was using a lot of the skills that we had learned at the CIA, but he was adapting them to parenting in these simple, straightforward ways with the idea of raising kids who are well-rounded and are set up to really take on whatever the world throws at them.
1: So right off the bat, when I heard Parent like a spy. I'm thinking, ooh, I could get into this because (laughs) I like to be involved in everybody's business. And I'm picturing me like hiding in the corners with a big magnifying glass. But you're saying actually it's more of a hands off method. It is. Yeah. People
0: often think like, oh, you must spy on your kids. You're going to give us surveillance tips, but it's quite the opposite. You know, the idea is that when we give our our kids autonomy and when we teach them these skills, because the CIA trains its officers to deal with anything, you know, life throws at them doing operations in the field. We want to prepare our kids for life in the same way. And we can't do that if we're not giving them these opportunities for independence to do things on their own. So it's really about teaching self-sufficiency. And when we emphasize things like trust and loyalty, we realize that our kids are more capable of things than we thought. So we do a variety of skills in the book. And some of it are those kind of espionage skills that you would think of, like learning how to spot and avoid danger. But it's also things that don't come to mind immediately, like how to write. Communication is such a big deal in espionage, but also for our kids in life, you know, persuasion, navigating technology. There are all these other softer skills that we discuss as well.
1: So we're starting to get into it a little bit here, but kind of break down for us how you would explain this spy style of parenting a little bit more?
0: It's really about looking for ways to incorporate adventure and fun. And so we start teaching our kids these skills when they're really young. So even at three years old, we're teaching them how to be prepared for emergencies, but not in an intimidating way. When it's done organically, it becomes this fun thing that empowers them instead of scares them. So for example, we talk a lot about preparing for emergencies in the book, but we introduce this idea to our kids through an adventure bag. And it's this fun thing that they're a part of at the table when they're just three years old and you get really excited about every item you put in the bag with your child. You know, oh, a flashlight, Band-Aids, you get them on board. And they start carrying that bike on hikes wherever you go. And as they get older, that bag is evolving into a go bag, and you're gradually teaching them more about the world. And I have to admit, you know, I was skeptical of some of these things when I first met Ryan. I was thinking, like, don't we just want to let kids be kids? I was more of an anxious person that thought I would be a helicopter parent. I was perfectly fine with that. And I was skeptical. And so I think the great thing, when you do read the book, the reader comes on the journey with me and they see, you know, what I was skeptical about and why I came around and how, and we don't always see eye to eye on things. And I talk about that as well, but really what I found is that when we teach these skills and we let them build upon each other, like none of them are built in a vacuum We really do see how capable our kids can be.
1: I would think, as a CIA spy, that your gut plays a huge part of it, sort of that intuition. And your body telling you something whether it's danger or to look out
0: absolutely we talk about this idea called get off the x and that's a technique the cia uses in training at their operational facility the farm to teach officers to listen to their gut and move away from danger and the x can be any type of danger a person a place a thing or an environment and so we teach our kids what it means to listen to their gut And we look for examples in film, in life, where we can see illustrations of this to to tell them and help them learn what this means but we also talked to them about listening to alarms and warning signals. And this idea that the the faster you get off the X, the better off you'll be, you know, Mm -hmm. the longer you stay on the X, the more likely it is you'll be harmed. So we want our kids to listen to those alarms and warning signals. We want them to visualize escape routes. And lastly, one of the things we teach our kids that we think is so important. And of course you can add nuance as they get older, but this idea that In an emergency scenario, it might be more important to listen to your gut than an authority figure. And one of the examples I talk about is the 2014 Korean ferryboat disaster when 304 of the 476 passengers aboard died when the voice over the alarm was telling mostly kids to stay put in their room. That's where they would be safe. But it was actually the kids who didn't listen to that announcement that survived. And so we want to give our kids you know, this knowledge of what listening to their gut looks like, what it sounds like, so that they have the best case scenario if they were in that. And we also like to stress very unlikely situation, right? This isn't about making our kids paranoid,
1: right? And those conversations can be so tricky as we want our kids to trust authority figures like teachers and exactly, you know, things like that. But on the other hand, we, we have seen, unfortunately, it isn't all good in this world, right? So um, how do you handle that in that delicate way, which is, you know, we, want, we don't want our kids to be afraid of teachers and things like this. But on the other hand, there could be danger there because, you know, that's just life.
0: Exactly. Well, I think what it comes down to in an emergency scenario Often no one knows what to do, right? And I think one of the themes that we discuss a lot in Licensed to Parent is critical thinking. And that's something that's woven throughout all of these skill sets because we want our kids to know how to think critically. That's so important at the CIA. You're getting so much information. You're having to make judgments about that information. We talk about verifying sources and things like that. That's also really important for our kids in a day and age where they've got social media, all this sort of fake news thing and all of this, you know, they need to be able to assess information and make judgments and think critically. And of course, like I said, there's nuance with that. And that will become easier as your kids get older, right? With my three-year-old, I'm obviously not telling her to ignore authority figures. I need for her to very much listen to authority figures. So there's a lot of nuance with that that happens over time as they get older.
1: So you mentioned before that your husband's also a CIA agent and you noticed that he was quite literally bringing his work home with him and incorporating work into his parenting style. So tell us kind of, how your styles are similar and also how they differ.
0: I gear towards more of like the helicopter parent naturally. I'm a black and white kind of thinker. I always have been because, you know, I was an analyst and I made data driven decisions. Whereas Ryan worked on the operational side where you very much had to live in the gray. I mean, the answer to a lot was in training was always, you know, it depends. And, you know, he's someone who, views the world that way and so I think we're different in that regard and you know really we end up balancing each other out quite a bit because you know I came in with this anxiety into parenting because you know pers- postpartum anxiety is a very real thing and it's mm. something we need to be talking about more and there are so many products on the market that really take advantage of parents anxiety with their children especially newborns you know there's socks to measure their oxygen intake you know there are gps trackers all these types of things that you can get and I was veering towards those things because I had this anxiety. But what I realized is because of Ryan's personality, the way that he was parenting the kids, you know, I needed to find a way to parent from a place of strength instead of a place of fear. And so it helped me to use these skills to prepare my kids for the world. And in turn, that was allowing me to be more hands-off because I felt like we were giving them the skills that they needed to be prepared to, you know, think for themselves, you know, think on their feet, improvise, you know, do that critical thinking and listen to their gut.
1: So you talk about fear and I can totally relate to that. I'm someone who had postpartum anxiety. I didn't know what it was at the time. I had only heard of postpartum depression. I thought, oh, this isn't me because I'm more anxious. Um, And turns out that's a thing. And you're right. People should absolutely talk about it. But fear plays into all of this as a parent, but also as a kid. And so, as you're introducing this style of parenting and also kind of these ideas to kids, how do you teach them these strategies without? Making them feel fearful that something bad's going to happen.
0: It's all about incorporating fun and the spirit of adventure in everything you do. So, for example, when we're talking about this idea of get off the X, I love to tell this story of this road that we would travel on. So, we call our kids the Bigs and the Littles because we have teenagers and a, and a three and four year old. And when we only had the Bigs, when they weren't big <laughs> at the time, we would take this road and it would go into a fork, and the very last minute. Ryan would say, Oh no, there's someone following me. And he would veer to the right onto the frontage road. And he said, Oh, we lost him. And the kids would cheer every time. And they knew this was coming every time, but this was like a fun illustration of what it means to get off the X. There was danger behind us and we need to move away from it. Of course, we also talk a lot about if someone was actually following you in espionage, you would not want to lose them because actual espionage is not like what you see in the movies. You know, if a spy is being chased, they've done something terribly wrong but this is just a fun example of how we kind of simplify it and start to teach our kids this principle and there are ways you know when we talk about listening to your gut there are age appropriate ways to introduce that you know with our older kids we use the movie taken that's more age appropriate for our older kids in our family but for our younger kids obviously we don't use that same movie because that might be quite scary (laughs) we use finding nemo you know when marlin and dory go through the jellyfish they didn't listen to dory's gut right telling her to go above the trench they go through the trench. And so we use that example. And actually Marlon, the dad in Finding Nemo is a great example of this helicopter parent, you know, that is inadvertently making his child think that he doesn't believe in him. He doesn't have confidence when really it's more about the parent, right? So a lot of these strategies, you know, not only do they make our kids more capable, but they also help us as parents.
1: Absolutely. And I'm sure just even sharing some of our own personal experiences can help them as well when it is age appropriate. I have a perfect example of not listening to my gut when I was in college and learned the hard way. I was in a movie theater watching Harry Potter with my roommate and we were all alone. And then halfway through the movie, two young men came in, sat in the back. I knew it was gonna happen, but I didn't wanna be impoletrable, wanna make assumptions, but my gut was telling me something bad is gonna happen, but they were between us and the exit. So sure enough, they came behind us. They grabbed us. They tried to steal our purses.
0: Oh my God. I shouldn't have
1: done this, but I chased after him because I'm crazy and feisty and I could have gotten myself in big trouble. But I feel like that's a story that I could share with my daughter. Yes. Seven and a half years old when we could start kind of illustrating what this can look like in real life. And, you know, luckily everything turned out okay, but just sharing that with them, I think would be helpful too. Right.
0: Oh, exactly. And I think what I like to say too, is that we don't do like one emergency week training in our home. Like we really see these skills as organic and just woven into our daily life. You know, our teenagers, they almost don't even realize that they've learned these skills because it's just a normal part of their life. When they leave to go somewhere, we yell out, remember to get off the X. And I mean, they're probably tired of hearing it, but, you know, they don't think of it as the scary thing because it's just so ingrained in who they are and how they've been raised. You've made
1: it very organic for your family. Let's talk about flexibility and improvising. I know a lot of adults that have a lot of trouble with both of these things. So how does that play in?
0: we really want our kids to be able to think on their feet. And one of the examples I give in the book is a night where our daughters were walking through town and noticed that they were being followed. They didn't have their cell phones. I think a lot of kids might just pick up the pace and hurry to get home, but we want them to improvise and think through. So instead of leading these people to their home to see where they live, they actually took an alternate route that was better lit and went to a gas station and called home. Of course, in a perfect world, we would hope that they have their phone, But, you know, we don't always remember things and especially kids. So at the end of the day, we want them to be able to improvise and think on their feet. And so when we give them opportunities to exercise this independence, they're getting more practice to do that improvising.
1: How old were your kids when you let them have a phone? Our kids were young. (laughs) I had a feeling you were going to say that based on your experience, but this is something that comes up on the show a lot. And I know there's no magic number, but I just had a feeling- Well, for us, it was more of a personal
0: family situation. We're a blended family. And so there were times that the kids were not at our home. They were at their bio mom's house. And so it was a feature of needing to be in touch with them. I think every family has to make a decision based on you know their own personal situation. But I know it's difficult because there's a lot of social pressure for kids to have phones early. And really, our approach to technology is similar to how we approach all of these other issues, which is. We like to give our kids some freedom with it. You know, as they get older, they get more and more, but we see technology so important for two main reasons. One, we're coming out of a pandemic and we've been so isolated. We want our kids to be connected. And two, we want our kids to be tech savvy. I think some, so many times, like as parents, we wanna just lock things down because we think, oh, it's a slippery slope. If I give them this app, then they're gonna want this other app. And where does it stop? And I can't control their access to everything. What are they gonna see? Right. But the reality is they're going to see stuff other places. And so when we become involved in that and we can sort of guide them through, you know, we get to place our narrative on it and we get to, you know, provide that guidance for them because we want them to make the mistakes when they're at home with us instead of fumbling through and trying to learn technology as an adult. I mean, we all know examples of adults posting things on social media that they shouldn't be posting. So, you know, we have to really help our kids learn how to navigate that technology, especially with phones. And so we talk to our kids about the types of things that are appropriate to share online, both from, you know, a... Um, a security standpoint, but also just what's appropriate and respectful, right? But then we also talk about ways to guard their future and how you know what they do on their phones and what they do on the internet and what they post can affect their future, not just in bad ways, but in good ways as well. You know, 70% of employers review social media before they hire someone, and more than half don't hire them based on what they see. And so that might make people think, well, I don't want my kids to have any access to anything. But on the flip side, there is a lot of evidence to suggest that employers also hire people based on something positive they saw online Mm -hmm. so I would just really encourage parents to not shy away from it and really try to take an involved role with their kids to be there for guidance and when you have that trust hopefully they feel like they can come to you while also giving them the space to really you know try things out and find their way it's it's a balance between autonomy and boundaries really
1: so we've been talking about your bigs and your littles so your bigs are teenagers now is that right right? We just sent our oldest off to
0: college. She is a freshman in college, which is like the epitome of spreading your wings and autonomy. It's, it's crazy.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So I want to know how all of this parenting is turning out in the real world. Do you have some examples of how these uh, survival skills and things are actually playing out?
0: Absolutely. So our oldest who is at college now, actually this summer before she went, she did a huge road trip all around the Western part of the U.S by herself. Whoa. And I can't imagine doing that. I mean, I did some driving at that age, but not that extent. I mean, she stayed with a lot of family along the way, but there were a couple of hotels that she stayed in and navigated by herself, you know, went to national parks, did hiking. And we were just so proud of her. I mean, and she called a couple of times for guidance, you know, basic things that you realize like, oh, they haven't experienced this. So they don't know this, you know, talking through the hotel check-in process and things, oh my gosh.
1: but we were You're so proud of nervous. her. Were yeah, you freaking out? out? We weren't.
0: We felt so great. I mean, it's it's crazy that like I, I think of how far I've come. <laughs> but yeah, she did an amazing job. And now she's, you know, off at college. And I feel like we barely hear from her. And I'm like, I know this is normal. They're supposed to go find their way, but but it's definitely an adjustment for our whole family to not have her around.
1: Oh my gosh. She's much more mature than I ever was. You know, I feel like I called home like every
0: day when I first went to college. Like, I think that's when my mom and I even grew closer because I was literally calling her every day, which perhaps wasn't the healthiest thing to do. So I'm really proud of her that she's, you know, out there spreading her wings. And
1: I'm proud of you that you've done some good work that you can feel very confident in that road trip. So what is the biggest lesson would you say that you've learned from your kids and from watching them in the real world now?
0: I would say it's really about looking at each of our kids individually they can all handle different levels of responsibility at different ages. You know, they have their strengths and they have, you know, different personalities. And, you know, we we strive to keep things fair in our home, but that doesn't necessarily mean that every child is going to have the same opportunities at the same age because they're all different. And so, you know, I've seen the way it's played out with our oldest at college, but, you know, our, our son just turned 17. They have very different personalities. You know, it's going to go differently with each child. And I like to say that because when it comes, comes to parenting, especially parenting books we can be so overwhelmed by all of this advice about what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And I'd like to say that you should take what works and leave the rest because in the same way that each of our kids are going to vary, our families vary as well. And so something might feel appropriate for your family in this realm and something else you might think, well, that won't work for us and that's okay. And I think that's really the way that I've written licensed to parents so that people can really find what works for their family and make adjustments and tweaks um, for it to be appropriate.
1: I'm into this. I like it a lot. Where can people find more about License to Parent? So they can go to my website, christinahillsburg.com. There is also
0: a fantastic book club kit on there that Penguin Random House has made. You can get it on their website as well. And book clubs can download this. It has a fun cocktail recipe and great discussion questions. And I'm also available for virtual check-ins to book clubs to say hello and answer any questions. And I would love to hear from people. I love connecting with readers. And you can also find me on Instagram at Christina and on Twitter at Christina Hillsby
1: espionage, parenting tips, cocktails. I mean, you've got it all covered. Christina, thank you so, so much for being here. I learned so much today. And that's a wrap for this episode of Mom to Mom. Thank you so much for joining us today. New episodes every Monday. And, of course, you can watch us on TV on NBC10 Boston on Mondays at 1130 a.m. And if you'd like to be a part of our Mom to Mom community, please, I invite you to visit our Facebook page. It's Mom to Mom with Maria Sansone. And I'd love to see you over there.